This morning I, I greet you as friends. I was uh, challenged as I thought about the uh, Sunday school verses in our text, printed text that talked about strangers. I, I was thinking about that, you know, what's the difference between a friend and a stranger? And uh, that actually is my meditation this morning. I've been looking at how our lives compare to Jesus. I, I talked about, first of all, about our love. How does my love compare to Christ's love? And then uh, later I talked about how does my thinking, my thought process compare to Jesus? This morning I want to challenge us to think, how does my friendship compare to Jesus' friendship? Two Sundays ago, nephew Jason said here at the pulpit that his memories of coming to visit our church was his fear of attending Sunday school. And uh, I think all of us as children can, can remember. I hated going to new churches too. I'm probably a little more of an introvert. I am not real outgoing. And, uh, you know, what makes those things fearful? <laughs> you know, you look friendly. I know you all as friends this morning. And... Uh, but, you know, we've probably all been in situations where we've been strangers. You know, maybe you're there and you're the, you know absolutely nobody. And, uh, you know, what do you do in a situation like that, especially if you're an introvert? Well, you hope somebody's an extrovert and comes to balance you out. They extend their hand to you and they welcome you and they smile. And, uh, you know, then it kind of helps you to relax and, and loosen you up. Uh, friends are... Uh, invaluable this morning and I want to say thank you to each of you this morning who I know as true friends I'd like to first of all look at some general biblical principles about friendship and then I want to uh, second part I want to look at Jesus as the true friend that we all need to personally know turning your Bibles to Proverbs verse chapter 18 verse 24 very some of these are very basic and uh, we say, sure, we, we know this, but we need to be reminded, at least I need to be reminded of it. That's why I'm sharing with you, this, with you this morning. Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Treat others as you expect to be treated by friends. It's a good reminder. I see friendship as a two-way street relationship. It's a two-way relationship. Now, there are times when we think sometimes friendship is one-sided, and it sometimes may be one-sided for a while. But, you know, there has to be that balancing uh, dimension of friendship, or it sometimes gets pretty strained. Uh, but I believe in for friendship to work properly, as God de- created us social beings, Friendship has to be a two-way interreaction, a two-way relationship, a two-way street. In this verse that's mentioned here in that proverb uh, road, the proverb writer wrote here, it's I see uh, friendship can extend beyond normal natural boundaries. Uh, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Um, someone has said, "Treat friends like friend, treat friends like family." and family-like friends. And it certainly is a blessing when uh, our friends are indeed family or our friends are like family. They're synonymous and should be synonymous, I believe. But uh, we understand that there are sometimes experiences where 
friends are closer than the natural family that we have. As we think about friends here, um, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. I believe there's an aspect, um, Amos mentions it, and we sometimes hear this, this verse in weddings, Amos chapter 3 verse 3, a very familiar verse, it says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And that's an application of friendship. And it's certainly a blessing if your marriage partner this morning is your best friend. And I hope that's the experience of each of you this morning that are in a marriage relationship, that you can say your marriage partner is your best friend because that's a blessing. But agreement, there needs to be a level of common interest such as direction of travel, thoughts, values, etc. You know, that's what's going to build friendship. When there is uh, a level of interest in, in, in thought, values, and uh, sometimes experiences, what, what people have experienced can, uh, in the past or what they anticipate in the future. And certainly, as we think of Christians this morning, Christian friendship is something that, that gives us a, a, a greater level of, a greater foundation to build on as we think of building friends. But again, the, 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 the proverb wisdom truth that is shared is if we want friends, we have a responsibility to make that happen. You and I have a responsibility to make that happen. We need to show ourselves friendly. The second proverb that these, most of these are taken from Proverbs here as we think of some of the general biblical principles of making uh, friends, going back to Proverbs chapter 17, verse uh, 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. The truth that is shared here in the, in the friendship relationship uh, aspect is that I believe we need to be trustworthy. We need to, uh, we need to express, we need to develop that trust in our relationship with one another as friends. Some of the things we need to ask ourselves, and I need to ask myself, is is it is it necessary to be repeated? So if someone shares things with me as a friend, is it necessary to repeat it beyond what they and I have shared? Or will it would it ever benefit anyone else? We may file it away. There's nothing wrong with that. And there may be occasion that down the road that, okay, this is a similar experience, what my friend shared, and with permission you may ask, can I share this with another person? Friends are for talking and sharing, for sure. What would a friend be if we didn't talk or share? Uh, you know, it'd be kind of dried up, wouldn't it? If we didn't uh, talk and share with each other. That's, that's part of, that's part of understanding. That's what I know about you as friends just this morning. I don't know all of you, all about you, but I know enough to, to know that we can have a friendship relationship. Friends are for talking and sharing thoughts, ideas, experiences, etc. And then having the confidence that what is revealed about me personally, as I share it with you, will be held in complete trust. Or that you share with me, or that you share with your friends, that they will be held in complete trust. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, or peace. I think the NIV maybe mentions the word peace. Uh, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. And we've all experienced that probably. We want to be honest with ourselves. We probably shared some things that have alienated us from friends. 
And, uh, you know, words that are shared cannot be recalled back. So we need wisdom. We need to be careful in, in sharing what others have confided in us. Because it can destroy that trust and confidence that people have in us or our friends have in us. Dropping down further in uh, Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The thought that I see here in this proverb is that we we need to be dependable friends. Um, it says at all times we need to be friends. It doesn't say when I feel like it. <laughs> there may be times when you don't feel like being a friend. When you don't feel like listening to another person's problems. When you don't feel like lending a helping hand to a friend. When you don't feel like loaning something to a friend who has come to you. There may be those times. I'm, I'm just talking from my personal experience. Maybe you don't encounter it as such. But, but you know, I, to be a dependable friend, I think it's saying we need to be there all the time. I need to be ready to listen. I need to be ready to help. I need to be ready to encourage. I need to believe in them. I was reading a story just recently uh, where a, a, a young person was accused of doing some vandalism. And uh, his sister believed in his innocence. And so she set about to prove his innocence. And he was, he was uh, encouraged by her, her confidence in him that she believed in him. He expressed those wor uh, very words. He said, oh, so you do believe in me. And you know, that can strike confidence in a person's life when you know that somebody is, is giving you the benefit of the doubt. You know, as I think about building friendships, as I think about dependability in a friend, you know, some of the expressions that I, I think of, I, you know, that I would like to hear would be, let me help. Tell me about your hurt emotionally, physically, or socially, etc. Rather than being judgmental and critical, don't be condescending. And again, as I've repeated before, give them the benefit of the doubt. We like the benefit of the doubt. Let's extend it to others. The fourth biblical principle that we see in being, building good relationship, friendship relationships is in Proverbs verse, chapter 27 verses 5 through 6. And again, these are all familiar. We probably heard them from children knowing up. You know, there's times we've run to our parents and we said, that person isn't friendly. And my mama said, my parents said, well, were you friendly? Well, this one here in Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, open rebuke is better than a secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, it's interesting that David in Psalms uh, 141, verse 5, I'll just quickly turn back to that. This is what David has to say about those that same proverb. He says, um, let the righteous smite me. It shall be kindness. Let the righteous smite me. He says it shall be kindness. I like that expression. And let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. I'm not sure exactly. I didn't look at that verse real closely. The last phrase there, Yet for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. 
and that takes me to Proverbs 9, verse 8. But the first part of that verse, I think David is recognizing that the, the wounds of a friend, as, saw, as the proverb writer mentioned there, are actually for our benefit, are for our good. He says, though, uh, let the righteous do that. Let them rebuke me. Uh, it shall be kindness, and let them reprove me. And uh, Matthew Henry says, it's a dangerous thing to be flattered and caressed by an enemy. Now, I, I thought of Judas's kiss of betrayal, you know, as we think of his friendship with his Lord, Jesus Christ, in his earthly ministry, and the denial that he propagated and played part in. And as he met Jesus there in that garden of Gethsemane and deceitfully gave him the kiss. You know, just as you'd want a medical physician to be truthful about your health and treatment, and there may be some pain involved in that treatment, you know, similarly, we should like our friends to treat us as such. There may be times when they need to tell us in truth. We need to be truthful as friends in our, in our friendships. We need to be truthful. And uh, we expect our friends to be truthful, not to always be glossing over us and patting us on the back. There are times that we, we all have blind spots. We need the truth to be told. Just as a medical doctor would diagnose you and, uh, and uh, examine you and say, well, everything's fine. Underneath he sees there is problems lurking and is not ready to administer the corrective treatment that would fix the problem, even though there may be pain involved to correct that. So we want our friends to be truthful with us so that we can be better friends. The uh, fifth truth that I have as far as biblical principles and friendship is found in Psalms 2 verses, actually. Psalms 119, uh, verse 63, and then Proverbs 13, 20. But Psalms 119, 63 I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The truth that I want to pick out of these verses here, and I'll just turn back to Proverbs 13, verse 20, is that I think we need to recognize the power and the influence friends have in our, in our lives. And, uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In your friendship this morning, I find security. I, I, I see you as a source of wisdom in keeping me where God wants me to be. I want to say thank you for that. Howard Bean says this. He says, it's wise to pick your friends, but don't pick them to pieces. So we need to be careful in selecting our friends. We need to use wisdom in, in who are our closest friends. But on the other hand, we need to be careful not to be extra picky. Another verse in Proverbs 27, verse 17, that relates to the par and influence of friends. Again, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, Aaron sharpeneth Aaron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's what happens in a, friend, a good friendship relationship. Aaron sharpeneth Aaron. We, we, we hone each other to a, a cutting edge. And we're, we're benefited. We're, we're blessed. We're, we're what God wants us to be. 
You're blessed beyond measure. I don't know if you've ever counted up how many friends you have. Anybody know offhand how many friends they have? I had a friend that said he had calculated a thousand plus. Now he said he called them good friends. Uh, now he did say there's probably some close friends that, uh, and I think it's good to have close friends. I, if you have a thousand friends or more, I've never actually count, tried to count up how many friends I've had, you know, uh, you know, but friends are invaluable. Um, uh, and it's good to have, Jesus seemed to have a close circle, a closer circle of friends. Peter, James, and John seemed like they were always that inner circle with him. I think it needs to be used with care, especially us as, as human beings. We tend to, we use the term have clicks, and uh, if we're not careful, we, we have that click and we're, we're violating or we're, uh, we're excluding ourselves from the benefits of, of a broader uh, feed of influence in our lives. Can we measure the value of friends? You know, someone has said that maybe friendship is like health. We don't understand and appreciate it until it's lost. How much do you value your friendships this morning? I I hope that you have placed a value on it that is beyond dollar worth. There are some people, there are money, there are deals, money deals that sometimes make and break friendships, and that's sad and unfortunate. So there's some biblical principles, basic principles that I think will help us in our friendships. I think I'll just run over them. We need to be friendly. We need to be trustworthy. We need to be dependable. We need to be truthful. And then we also need to recognize the power and the influence of the friends that we select. Now, the second part of my message here, I want to look at Jesus as the best friend. I don't know, Alan, do you remember any of the songs you led Wednesday evening? Actually, I had decided on the sermon before that, but I was blessed with the song. If you think the song leader isn't an important person, you're important. Uh, more important than the preacher this morning. You don't remember any of the songs. Well, the one was, I'll be a friend of Jesus. And that's a very, it's in the Science Praises 694. And uh, a very, very powerful song, if you stop and think about it. Um, the way that, the words of that song. Is Jesus indeed your best friend this morning? I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 7. I actually thought about that song different times throughout the week from Wednesday through through Sunday morning here and probably sang it and hummed it. And, uh, Luke chapter 7, reading at verse 31. Notice as I read here what it, how it describes Jesus as a friend. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, we have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say he hath the devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, and then notice, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children." And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought him an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, 
he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto you, unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast judged, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little was forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Jesus as a friend of sinners and publicans. number of things I'd like to just pick out briefly. Very powerful message. I think it speaks for itself as you think of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus as a friend. Notice in verse 39 what was taking place. The Pharisees, now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. Where was this Pharisee looking? He was looking out around. He should have been looking in here. And that's uh, that's what I like to encourage us this morning. As we think of Jesus as a friend of sinners, as we develop and cultivate that friendship, we need to look within our own hearts and lives. Invite others to look in their hearts and lives as we introduce them to our best friend, Jesus. Notice in verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto you. And he said, He saith, Master, say on. And, and that's the one thing he got right. He was ready to listen to Jesus. And I think that's a good... Uh, a good lesson for us. As we have Jesus as our best friend, we need to be ready to listen to him. How do we listen to him today? Have you heard Jesus speak this morning in the hymns that were sung? Again, the song leader. Uh, in the Sunday school lesson, in the devotional, uh, perhaps in the sermon here too. Have you heard Jesus speaking through his Holy Spirit, through his word this morning? That's the way God speaks to us. You're, if you're waiting for an audible voice, now I'm not limiting God. He can sometimes use, and I've heard testimonies of people who it, it was like an audible voice. I think Dennis mentions a time that he had where he said it was almost like an audible voice that came to him. And I, there are times like that. But uh, I think the majority of times God uses more subtle ways to speak to us. Perhaps it's another friend that God brings into our lives and our experience to speak to us. But we need to be ready to listen. And that's what Simon got right here in his experience. He said, say on, Master. We need to do that to Jesus too. Say on, Master. Lord, I'm listening. The other aspect that I, I see, so we need to be looking within ourselves. We need to be ready to listen. The other aspect I see is that we need to, uh, to be willing to share. Um, share your testimony without reservation for his glory. And that's really what... This, this sinner was doing. She was sharing her testimony of her experience as she broke that alabaster box 
uh, anointed him, kissed his feet, washed his feet with her tears. She was sharing, she was sharing her personal testimony in a very, very, uh, descriptive way. Uh, you know, and what better way to share a testimony than even just vocally? Now this woman could have perhaps given a testimony. It might have been out of, out of tenor perhaps if she would have spoken. But she shared it in, in the way that she related to Jesus. And that's the most powerful way to share Jesus, I believe, is to give and show people your, uh, your relationship, what it's like to Christ. And you know, I was going back to the Sunday school lesson. I didn't say it, but you know, we were talking about the temple of the Lord this morning in the Sunday school lesson. You know, really, where is the temple of the Lord today in the New Testament? It's within you and I as believers. Now, I'm not taking away from this building. I think this building is important because it's where we come to get recharged. But uh, you and I are the temple of the living God. Paul said, wist you not that you your body is the temple of God? We are to be God's temple. We need to share. We need to invite people to experience Jesus as we know him, as we know him in our relationship. Um, and that's what this woman was doing. And Jesus rep- reprimanded Simon for what he did not do in comparison to what this woman had done. Jesus, as the best friend and a friend of sinners, and praise God for that this morning, that he is a friend of sinners. Where would we be without that friendship this morning? Turning to uh, John 15. John 15, verses 13 through 16. Greater love hath no man, these are the words of Jesus, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Jesus, as a true friend, has laid down his life for us, for you and I, for all mankind. Notice in verse 13, we see Jesus' level of commitment in his friendship to us. And that was the fact that he he was willing to lay down his life for us. Talk about commitment. Talk about the level of, of friendship. And, you know, I have so much to measure up to. And I guess that's the question I have to ask you and I this morning in verse 14. Ye are my friends, Jesus said, if ye do whatsoever command you. What is your level of commitment to Jesus this morning? On the flip side, as Jesus demonstrated his, his level of love for us, his level of commitment as a friend. On the flip side, what is my commitment to Jesus? Jesus here tells us how we can measure it. He said, if ye do whatsoever I command you, you are my friend. We need to live lives of obedience to his commandments. I wanted to read verse 16. Did I read verse 16? Ye have, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should be, and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Um, Verse 15, I want to back up to verse 15 there, but Jesus' level of communication, um, he says, I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, have made known unto you. You know, there's no barriers there. I like that aspect. Uh, you think of the Father, you think of Jesus' the Son, think of the Holy Spirit that God gives us to indwell us so that we can fellowship and communicate with God and Jesus. Um, and, and there's no barriers here. He says, I have told you all things. There's nothing hidden. 
we can we can draw we can come in that relationship in that friendship with full confidence knowing that he says I have told you all things that I have heard of my father and I have made known I have made them known unto you then you think of the flip side of that so God has told us Jesus has told us all things about the father he has he has provided a way that we can be brought into that friendship then on the other hand I need to ask myself what have I talked to God about have I talked to him about everything that I'm experiencing in my life or are there rooms and corners that I I'm saying okay that's all limits we don't go there and then how often do I talk to God you know friends uh, sometimes we hear this expression, you know, friends haven't seen each other for sometimes years. And if they're true friends, they say they can pick up. And, and I've experienced that. You can pick up exactly where you stopped and take right off running. Uh, you know, and that's a mark of true friendship, I believe. Uh, how often have I talked with God? If I tell you this morning that I have a best friend and, oh, but we haven't communicated in 50-some years, you probably wonder about my friendship with him. Because if we're best friends, we probably have kept in communication. Now, like I said, if, if there are times when absences develop in friendships. There's, there's uh, uh, circumstances that bring that to pass. Uh, and it can sometimes just be normal life. And, and then we meet up again, and if, if the friendship is genuine and true, you know, like I said, we can pick up and, and take right off. Looking at verse 16, I wanted to mention verse 16. Um, I think this verse is here. You know, if you think about Jesus, a friend of sinners, as you think about Jesus and, and his friendship with those that are, are, are serving him in obedience, um, he says, I ha- he has chosen us. You think about that. He's not willing that any should perish. God died for everybody on the whole wide world. So you know, as you think about that, so how should that affect my view toward those around me that are not, uh, that do not know Jesus as their best friend? It should move me to introduce him to them. Or what about those that are living in Chicago? Uh, living alienated from God wherever in America today. We talked about the terribleness of our country and the value system that seems to be replacing what we knew as, as Christian values. You know, the fact that God has, we have, God has chosen us. God has chosen everybody. He's not willing that any should perish. And how should that impact my vision, my relationship toward, you know, we hear the expression sometimes there, to some people there are no strangers, there's only friends they haven't met. And, and and some we didn't say that carefully because I, I believe uh, there are people that can pull us the wrong direction if we're not careful. But I still think we need to be reaching out as 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 friends to people we don't know, to those that are lost around us. The aspect of fruit is mentioned there in verse sixteen. He says, "He ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit." What is that fruit that he's expecting you to bring forth this morning as we think of a friendship? Well, I think it's... uh, And what does that fruit look like? I think that fruit that he's expecting us to bring to him in these verses here is the fact that he's expecting us to bring other souls, other believers, into a relationship with him. And I believe it'll be, as, as I thought about what that fruit looks like, it needs to be fruit that looks like Jesus. 
And that's what I'm talking about this morning. I talked about his love. I talked about his thoughts and thinking process. I'm talking about friends this morning. Friends that are Christ-like. I believe the fruit is sharing Jesus. There's a promise mentioned there. It says, the Father, and whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now that's a powerful promise there if you stop and think about it. We need to ask in the Father's name and he will give it to you. What would I ask this morning in the Father's name? Uh, is it for more souls for his kingdom? I believe that should be the number one question that we would come and ask God. Romans chapter 12, and I'm running out of time here. Romans chapter 12, familiar verses, and I'm going to just, uh, I was going to read more verses here. Uh, this passage is, I hope, familiar to all of you. Romans 12 is, a, is an iconic scripture that I think, it's one I memorized in in Christian Day School, and I don't know if our Christian Day School has you memorizing Romans 12, but I think it ought to be if it isn't. But it's one of them powerful New Testament passages that, that help us to understand the concept of Christianity in a, in a very concise way. As I looked at Romans chapter 12, I was going to begin reading at verses 5 through the uh, end of the chapter, but, you know, it, it has a lot to say about relationships here. And in verse 5 it says, So we being many are one body in who? In Christ. We are one body in Christ. Uh, it's our relationship in Christ this morning that makes friendships possible, I believe. Can there be people, can there be friendships outside of Christ? I think there can be, but you know they're socially and they're fragile. Very fragile. It doesn't take much to, and I was just reminded of that recently. I was visiting with a man that owns some land adjacent to ours and he was talking about there's an access, our driveway has an access, and he was relating some incident that happened, I don't know how long ago, before I was there. And and uh, and I thought about the, the fragileness of, of relationships. I He wondered, I, I know the man at the end of the driveway there that lives in the house of our driveway, and I, I we, we, we seem to get along fine. I should put forth more effort to know him better. Uh, talk about making friends. I'm, I'm talking to myself this morning. Uh, don't want it to happen what... One man related. He said, uh, the, uh, there was a couple that lived there in the community and, uh, they were somewhat introverts like me. And, uh, so they thought, well, they should do better at this. So they saw the moving van pull up to the house, next house there to them. And they thought, you know, okay, let's go meet the neighbors. And so the wife, she baked a loaf of bread. And, uh, so they timidly took the loaf of bread over to, knocked on the door and, a uh, lady answered the door and said, well, we'd like to walk him into the, to the community and uh, here's a loaf of bread. And the lady that answered the door looked somewhat taken back and she said, well, we're not moving. I mean, we didn't just move in, we're leaving. And they had been there five or six years, something like that. And uh, so, you know, we need to put forth effort to reach out. Uh, in Christ, I think, is is for sure the, the best way to build friendships, as we see there in verse 5. Uh, verse 6 and 8 talk about, as we think of friendships, uh, appreciating our differences. We won't all be the same. Our, we have different strengths and weaknesses, as it's mentioned here. Uh, we being many members, and it talks about our different gifts and talents. Um, and then verses 17 through 21 that I want to pick up on, especially, uh, relating to those that, that are outside of our circle of close friends. And it, it particularly calls them... Uh, you know, those that, uh, 
Well, uh, I might just read them. Recompense to no man evil for evil, providing things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, okay, I was hoping an enemy was in there. I thought it was. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou wilt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So let's talk about how to relate with those that are called our enemies. And I should the Christian have an enemies? I, not on our part, I don't think we should. But there may be others that would look at us as a threat and call us enemies. And here the scripture is telling us how we ought to relate to them. The challenge, I think, is to us, clearly from the scripture here, can we win them as friends? That's, that's, the, that's the emphasis here. We need to put forth maybe extra effort to win them. Uh, the account is told of Abraham Lincoln, who um, in his presidency, when he won the presidency, he appointed some of his harshest critics as some of his cabinet members. And some of his friends said, raised their eyebrows about that, and uh, they said... Uh, why are you doing that? And he said, I need their balance. I need their honesty. I know they're going to be honest with me. And uh, they said, well, really, we think you ought to just do away with them, get rid of them. He said, well, if I make them my friends, aren't I doing that? And uh, so I've thought about that experience of Lincoln. He uh, was willing to take that risk and invest that opportunity to, to, to translate them into friends rather than enemies. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 8. Let your conversation be without covetous, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, or my friend, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith is fo whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. I'd like you to understand that Jesus is dependable this morning. We can count on his his friendship. The challenge I want to leave with you this morning is, as you go through the next week, is discover the treasure of a new friend. Maybe move closer to your best friend, Jesus.